Welcome to the special edition of the Christian Marauder, where I have a special guest, Dr. Judge H. Burton, director of the Institute of Biblical Anthropology, along with his website, Burton Beyond, that offers courses on topics churches need to hear. Judd is a speaker and author of over 18 books like the Nephilim Dossier, Panaceas, Religion of the Ancient City of Pan, Interview with the Giant, Ethno-Historical Notes of the Nephilim. He'll be appearing as a guest on Skywatch TV, Countdown to Virtual Conference, this October 15. And I will link below the description on this page on how to register for this outstanding event at DefendersConference.com. Welcome, Judge. Before we get started today, what other conferences and new books do you have on the horizon? Well, uh, there, there are three books. Uh, one is on uh, uh, Gobekli Tepe and the Bible um, that I'm co-authoring with Aaron, Dr. Aaron Judkins. Uh, I have a book on uh, a collection of essays on witchcraft, the history and culture of witchcraft that I've written called The Book of the Gray, which uh, should be out October 1. And then I have uh, uh, another one called The Van Helsing Way, which looks at the uh, folkloric manifestations of the demonic uh, through the lens of the Bible. And as you pointed out, I've got the uh, upcoming Skywatch conference. Those are the, I suppose those are the big events on the horizon. Okay. Well, today I just thought we would try to take tackle some interesting topics that people always have questions about. Uh, like we're going to explore how the Nephilim and the roots of civilization and how that affects civilization and ETs, as well as you talked about on your webpage, the town of Merkel, Texas, about a goat head man. I'm interested in kind of hearing that because I worked in the Southwest with the native folks down in Navajo, in the Southwest area of Navajos and Apaches. And they reported seeing skinwalkers and how they operate, who they are, as well as um, a goat-headed Indian thing and also a snake entity that they've seen running around, as well as wolves and things like that. Mm. And also, um, you had a show on, uh, see, Nate Henry and Luke Rogers' blurry creatures about vampires and werewolves. I'll probably fit in with our topic. And if we possibly can, if you're game for it, let's try to tie all this together with how the occult world ties into what we're seeing today with the tyranny of this new liberal world order or the new world order as it's properly known on the rise today, how it all kind of fits. I know that's a, a broad range of topic, but if you're willing, let's go ahead and get started. I'm willing. All right. So on um, the Nephilim and the roots of civilization and the ET. So what's your opinion about extraterrestrials and the Nephilim and how it fits with Genesis chapter six and their roots and how do those storylines affect its civilization? Right. Well, um, you know, the entire Genesis six uh, event is a, you know, you really can kind of look at it as an extraterrestrial invasion perhaps not in the conventional sense, but the, the entities that are, that land on Mount Hermon, uh, these, these apostate angels are not from terra firma. They're from, you know, if you putting it in quantum terms, they're from another dimension. So, you know, there's a case to be made that this is one of the mo most significant, uh, of extraterrestrial events in the history of the planet. And of course they, they bring with them, uh, information that they they barter they, they basically barter this in exchange for access to human females and uh their progeny of course were the the 
Nephilim, the first generation of giants, the, the pre-flood giants. Um, but if we're to look at uh, apocryphal sources like Enoch, um, then they were also making chimera uh, out of the animals. You know, it says that they sinned against the birds and, and uh, reptiles and quadrupeds and things like that. So, uh, you know, what, what they created was this kind of, you know, Lord of the Rings horror escape and uh, uh, in, in prehistory. And um, I wrote a paper earlier this year called The War of the Words, uh, which dealt with how the Watchers and the, the early giants were cultural engineers. The information that the Watchers impart to humanity is a combination of practical sciences and occult knowledge. And with this, uh, the trajectory of, of human social organization changes at this point in time, uh, regardless of, of whether people subscribe to old Earth or, or, or a young Earth model of the history of the planet. Um, something happened in prehistory, and I think this is the defining event that, that brought about these, these cultural changes. And the change that I'm talking about is what historians and archaeologists used to call uh, or actually uh, what Vera Gordon Child used to call the Neolithic Revolution, uh, the emergence of agriculture and city-states. Well, you have to, people have to understand is that humans were hunter-gatherers for horticulturalists of one sort or another for most of human history. And all of a sudden, you know, in terms of geologic time, over not for all intents and purposes. Uh, they have this new kind of, of social organization uh, with a highly centralized political structure, uh, religious structure, both of those usually riding the same cart. So you've got theocratic monarchies in virtually all of the early civilizations uh, and then a stratified society uh, with the haves on top and, the, and a whole lot of have-nots on the bottom, uh, which is really kind of... Uh, you know, just in, in, in sheer anthropological terms is really anathema to what the political structures in human societies had been before that. Uh, this kind of drastic change, irrevocable change, usually only happens when, an, uh, you know, in human history, when a superior, uh, technologically superior, uh, strategically superior culture overpowers another one and then changes that culture. Um, I kind of like I like the way that, that Jared Diamond describes the clash between the Spanish and the Inca and guns, germs and steel. And that there were it's not that the Spanish were braver or necessarily stronger or better uh, than the Inca. It's just that they had thousands of years of technological, biological uh, in terms of diseases that they had antigens for and uh, uh, other kinds of of advantages that have been building up for thousands of years and they were able to take advantage of that because of the long east to west orientation of eurasia so technology agriculture animal husbandry metallurgy all that stuff was able to, to spread without too many geographical barriers it's the exact opposite in north america where you have or the americas where you have them long to south and so when civilization emerged it was very difficult for that technology and information to spread. And so it took longer. 
And so uh, there were no herd animals in the New World. Spanish and Europeans and Eurasians had kept herd animals for thousands of years. This inoculated them against, you know, diseases like smallpox and, and anthrax in many cases. And of course, smallpox was extremely virulent amongst the native populations, had no herd animals. Uh, and so the, the, the analogy that I'm using here is that the Inca were never the same because of all of these factors, some of which were, were out, of con, out of the control of the Spanish, but they were set nonetheless. And I think in similar manner, you have to ask what caused these drastic changes in prehistory. And I think the only agency that you can ascribe here is one of, of, of supernatural origin. I mean, the human societies at the t in prehistory, I mean, they're not cookie cutter. They're going to have cultural variations and uniqueness. But again, their their subsistence models are, are all hunter-gatherer and, and horticultural uh, horticulturalism. And so they're going to have those similarities. And they, they don't have that kind of central, highly centralized structure. That sort of stuff was introduced by the watchers and then perpetuated by uh, each generation of giants thereafter and is rebooted in the post-flood world. Uh, and that's why I wrote that that chapter in my book that you, you referenced an interview with the giant, the Nephilim and the roots of civilization, because they were the, they and their watcher forebears were cultural engineers. Yeah. I, I was looking at that. I kept, what struck me when I read the article and looked at a few other things is kind of reminds me of uh, when I correlate what in the book of Enoch, each one of the watchers did and the name meanings and all that, that Dr. Michael Heiser wrote in one of his books on the book of Enoch. He did an excellent job on that. And I read that and I looked at did a little more research. It sounds like they really influenced the line of Cain <laughs> mm -hmm. because it almost matches, almost matches. And you can see that. I don't know if you're on, saw on Josh Peck's daily renegade 2.0, uh, the series I did on Bible numbers. I know I don't give this out too much, but you know, I was found out a way to interpret bible numbers with some of the traditional way of how they did it and got rid of the kabbalah and all the other occult stuff that crept in in the chaldean system i'll get into that but when i i was playing around with it i decided well let's look at what genesis chapter six says and see if there's anything to it so i went ahead and did it and i found this code i stumbled upon it completely by accident and it's just it's just, and what I found is pretty much what you just said. Mm -hmm. The watchers came, they made a deal with the uh, head chiefs or leaders to mm -hmm. turn their women over to refurbish the temple structure. That was the actual word that I found, which mm -hmm. suggests they altered DNA, which would mm -hmm. explain um, some of the uh, you know, ancient Greek mythology of half bull, mm -hmm. half man, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing this today. I mean, we are mm -hmm. seeing the chimeras. We're seeing things that in the field of genetics, it just blows your mind. I'm doing research. I do shows on this. I man, then I listen to the World Economic Forum and their mm -hmm. take on this. And, and I'm seeing the same pattern where people um, may not devour each other in, in a physical sense like they did in the days of Noah, but they are murdering each other and hating each other, just like Jesus says in the last days, hate sure. you know, hate one another, betray one another, all that. It just fits what we're seeing today. It's almost like a Nephilim invasion is getting ready to hit again. 
Yeah, well, I mean, even our, our own government all but admitted to having made human-animal chimeras when they shot the the proposed legislation down to outlaw the creation of human-animal chimera. Boy, didn't that slip under the radar. Oh, yeah, uh, it didn't slip under my radar. But... Well, yeah, well, yeah, I mean, those <laughs> who are, 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 are ferreting all this stuff out, absolutely. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's... It's really telling because we've had this record in 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 folklore and mythology that that represent the real experiences of, of people, uh, but mainstream academia, you know, holds the line to um, peripheralize you know anything supernatural. Its only value is minimally cultural, and our job is to commodify that culture, uh, which you know is is revolting i mean it's a complete misunderstanding of how mythology works and what mythology is and um but that's the party line and it's it's by design you know it's to it's why classical education you know was stripped away from our you know primary education and then and then second uh, and then uh, higher education is because you know you you got with classical pedagogy you got you know a, a picture of the ancient world you know much akin to the, the the kind of mythological thinking that was prevalent you know at the time but now you know we compartmentalize and collate everything and you know we get a select menu of of information that you know becomes the the, the main narrative you know and you really have to to dig for a lot of this information now but it, it's out there it's still basically hiding in plain sight in a lot of cases and if you're looking at it through the lens of the bible then a lot of it does pop to life um but as for the human animal chimera stuff you know we've been doing that for decades and you know you referenced the the goat man uh, that i wrote about in my my book the paranormal big country this is a legend that's been in merkel uh texas my hometown for quite some time I, you know i grew up as a child hearing about this thing that supposedly lived in the, you know, the creeks and, and riverbeds south of town. And when I got to college, I, you know, I was meeting people from all over the state. In fact, all over the, the Southwest and, and Great Plains region. And uh, I'd tell this story and they'd be like, yeah, we've got a goat man. There's a goat man, you know, in Salado or, Fort Worth or, you know, wherever they were coming from. Uh, and so that prompted me to dig a little deeper. And in fact, the, the, um, the Fort Worth telegram, uh, ran a story back in the early sixties about the Lake Worth monster, uh, which was a, 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 a goat man, a half goat, half, half man creature. And the, the, um, under the main title, the, the subtitle was Saturday night special, but they spelled it S A T Y R dash day saturday special um and of, of course these creatures are prolific in world folklore and mythology too most people are familiar with with pan uh and the satyrs of, of greek uh tradition but they show up in uh, the hebrew bible too uh which we don't get a clear picture of often because of bad translations but as mm -hmm. isaiah chapter 34 there's a passage there that references not just not just the levantine satyrs the shedim but uh lilith um mm -hmm. so you know right there you have a chimeric 
creature and a, a, a vampire, Lilith sustained herself on the blood of infants. Um, and there, it's usually translated as screech owl or night demon for Lilith, and then he goats or hairy ones for Shireen. And I'm, the whole time, I'm, I'm thinking, you know, what what are translating boards afraid of by not by not just letting the text say what it takes, uh, say what it says? You know, uh, my friend Dr. Heiser and I are both, you know, are both firm proponents of of context. Uh, and I'm always saying context is theology, context is theology. And it's amazing to me how many of these translators just don't let don't let the language say what it says. Well, I have a theory for that, and I call it the Johnny Quest world. <laughs> the Johnny Quest world. There's Isn't something I can analogy? relate. I, I can relate to that. Yep. Doctor Quest, everything is logically explained. There is nothing is mythological. You know, the abominable snowman is just a big gorilla, and he's friendly. <laughs> yep, that's that that's apt. Oh, yeah, I'm gonna have to recycle that the, the Johnny Quest theory. <laughs> I call it, and they put that in translations. When I was, you know, back, let's say I got born again back in the 1980s, but came through, and so I worked in some churches, trained in studying Hebrew and Greek. You know, I kind of let that slip, but you know, I still can do adequately word studies. So what I found, I start translating, you know, large segments of Genesis, large segments of the New Testament, like uh, almost the entire book of Ephesians, for example. And when I was translating it, especially the Old Testament, I thought, man, how uh, Trinitarian is this? Why did the translators screw this up? And why did they take mm -hmm. satars out? Why do they call a screech owl, you know, and the same things you're talking about is what I found. And I just, I was per very perplexed. So I just called it, that's a Johnny Quest world. They must have been <laughs> back then. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I it's i mean it's materialism it, it's naturalism it's the the infective influence of you know darwinian thought you know when it hit the scene it, it affected not just the biological sciences but it impacted the social sciences the humanities almost any philosophical in, inquiry was impacted by it and we're living with the the detritus of naturalism you know to this day that that even for believers, you know, that's that's the default setting in a lot of cases. Oh, well, that, you know, that can't be true, you know, because it doesn't, you know, it, it doesn't fit within the confines of a naturalistic interpretation or explanation of the universe. But, you know, now scientists are admitting that, that even that has holes in it, you know, because we can look at the cell, for instance, at such a microscopic level now that biologists are, are saying wait a minute uh we're gonna have to consult engineers about engineering design theory because this looks like it was made um so you know there, i mean there are things like this that are that are exciting that are cropping up now that are poking holes in a purely materialistic approach to the universe and and you know revealing it for what it really is and that's inadequate truncated mm -hmm. yeah you know I had a, you know, the pleasure to do evangelistic work up on the Native uh, First Nations people's reservations up there. I did um, in the Southwest, started down there in the Southwest and the Navajo reservations, as well as Muscalero mm -hmm. from 2009, 2010. We did some tent meetings, open street type things and places like San Carlos, Arizona, Ganado, um, 
Blue Canyons and Fort Defiance area in New Mexico. Mm -hmm. So Window Rock as well and Mescalero. And, you know, when I, they were all talking about, you know, you know, white people don't understand. I go, well, you want to try me? Um, so, they, yeah. And so they explained this stuff. I go, oh, okay. You know, this is nothing new to me. I mean, I mean, how's it happen? And so what they were talking about is, is skinwalkers. And so there was a case in, I won't say which area that in the Southwest, just for uh, protection's sake. And, uh, but the, there was a skinwalker. He was a medicine man in order to become a skinwalker involved sacrificing of young blood, just think of an infant, some, something of very value. And they were able to do these things and people have seen them. And uh, I've come close, uh, felt something one time in Arizona, but I never saw it. But afterwards, I mean, I tell you, I've never seen so many crows following me ever. <laughs> and so you, you, you tell people, you know, hey, you know, um, there aren't this stuff happens and people are able to do this with the magicians in Egypt. If you believe your Bible and I do, and it's, and if they can turn a staff into a, a, a snake, well, just imagine what this occult world, higher order occultism, what they can do when they give sway to these fallen watchers, these demonic entities that teach them this arts and crafts. And so what was going on in, in the Southwest, to wrap it up real quick here and, uh, and let people know, was that they talked about a green snake creature <clears throat> that would probably be about 12 foot long. It, they, people would see it and it would come up and bad things would happen around the house or where they lived if they saw that thing. And uh, animals get sick, animals die, uh, and bad things happen. And other people reported seeing werewolf-type entity following their car going 75 80 miles an hour and they're trying to outrun it and outran them and so i believe them you know because these are first nations people and i mm -hmm. trust what they say and then um the one that got me was the goat headed man that you mentioned it was a half mm -hmm. human half and they said oh that's 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 a skinwalker they appear like that and one was around uh someone's house the, they had an outdoor light that it went out and it was walking around the house and they were able to see it and he was just praying in the name of jesus you get out of here and it left <laughs> and sure. so um so i've seen that also been confronted by medicine men too who did not like us and even threatened to be <laughs> killed at one of the meetings and so I got close to my friend. I said, okay, this guy says he, you know, this, that. And he goes, oh, okay, well, well you're welcome to come here tonight. And he goes, I'm going to come here and prove that your God is wrong. And, I, and it came out of my mouth. I don't know why. I just said, really? Well, come on. Um, we'll take you up on it. We'll see who's God stronger. That's what it came out, okay. of, out of my mouth. And so I'm up there preaching. And sure enough, he was in the audience. He in the nearly close to the end, he interrupted it, stormed out of his chair, started coming toward the stage right at me. I wasn't afraid. I, I looked at him and I thought, well, well here it goes. And he looked at me. His eyes got like real big quarters. He put his hand up. He screamed and he ran out the back of the tent screaming. Well, next night he came and he got saved because he says, you have two of the biggest goomers I've ever seen standing behind you. 
and they're still there. Uh, Tell them to go away. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, so what can I say? You know, these, these people, they know what they're doing and they mean business. And yeah. I just wish the church would not get out of this materialistic mindset and realize that because I come back to my own hometown and I have to deal with this in secret, in quiet, because people's houses are affected by this. You know, they yeah. see shadow people. They see this occult activity and the pastors don't know how to deal with it. Yeah. Which is kind of amazing because, you know, we're given the authority to deal with as believers were given the authority to deal with, with, uh, you know, all, all kinds of demonic entities. Um, it's, but it, it's almost like a, it's almost like the, the Protestant evangelical in particular church in, in America is just sort of asleep at the wheel when it comes to the theology behind uh, the, and the history behind, uh, uh, spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it, it, it amazes me that the Roman Catholic Church certainly has its share of issues, but they're the ones who are training exorcists, you know, droves of them because they're, they, they're at least, at least some of their, uh, some of their hierarchy see that there's, there's a, a quantifiable, you know, increase in demonic activity. You know, that people are reporting these things more often and I've just, flabbergasted at how how much materialism has made inroads into the church and that, that a lot of churches are content to just treat jesus as a life coach and church as kind of you know morally therapeutic deism uh and just just strip the entire you know supernatural element away from the bible well that 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 doesn't do us much good particularly in in our present state yes it, it doesn't it doesn't, you know, that's, I don't know, I call it the Johnny Quest world, no other way to say Johnny it. Johnny Quest, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I simplify things so people can understand it, so. Sure. But, you know, it, and I used to be one of my favorite cartoons, and that kind yeah, of. Yeah, me too. That me too. To, to my atheism when I was younger. <laughs> mm -hmm. Everything was material, but, um, so that's, you know, this material world that we're in and the materialism, especially in the Western society and the Western civilization, um, the pragmatism and all that has crept in. And so they just stripped of the uh, supernatural. I worked on an apologetic site for many years. I had to leave there because of some of the um, stuff they got, got off into and I couldn't correct it. No, you know, so I just, just kind of, kindly left just let them have their thing and i was talking about the persecution that was going to come to the united states back in 2007 and 8 from what from i was on there for like 10 years and see the close of it at that time and they just said no there's no persecution i go okay well now it's here so um yeah but um they were very materialistic and you know i try to talk about the super natural things and they would say oh no it's all explainable everything's explainable that stuff is just you know you know genesis 6 was the days of you know the sons of seth and the sons of cain and there's nothing supernatural here go away and I, yeah. they... sure sure yeah yeah there's another uh, uh that's a great example of just uh you know torturing the translation until you know it admits to what you want it to admit yeah it's just it's terrible 
Yeah, it is. It's just one of those things I just cannot believe that people do. And um, so, you know, so people have seen these entities and we are up there. I've been doing um, from 2011 to current. I haven't been able to get up there for over a year because of the current. And I can't even pronounce the word 19 thing that's going around. Um, that uh, we had to deal with some of this stuff up there. And so a friend of mine that I ministered with is uh, he's passed away. But he's a he's a former state trooper. He's seen a lot up there in Wyoming and stuff. <clears throat> and myself, you know, my career path at that time was uh, criminal justice. So so we're both uh, professionals. So we got up there and we're talking with the police departments. It's some sort of a thing you have with law enforcement. You kind of <laughs> you kind of see each other and you kind of you know you kind of bond in a, in a, in a interesting way that you know you know the person but you find out ah that's why i click with you and so we start talking so we went up to the reservations there and we a bunch of people and we had to deal with a thing called tall man and so we did an investigation it was called owl woman it came from two opposing tribes who wanted to curse the other it was age old feud going way back and so this thing would come up and so on police reports, um, <laughs> here's a police report. Uh, hey, we saw this giant thing with uh, look like a, a person in a robe with owl's feet running down the road. He was about 20 some feet tall. And we followed it and we had to stop the car and say, what do we do if we catch it? And then we had other reports were on um, video of the entity attacking a person they couldn't see the the entity in the video but people could see it when they looked in they couldn't open the car and the woman got cuts bruises and bite marks and stuff like wow. that yeah. and then in the hospital uh, they've seen the footprints of this thing so they called us and we we just prayed about it did spiritual warfare and it pretty much stopped and then all of a sudden the slender man thing came out and then the uh, shadow people was big that's what they called them shadow people and they're basically i've seen many of them up there but i call them triangular geometric shapes and they're real small but they appear to the people as entities really big and they're so easy to get rid of when you use the name of jesus and, and we start teaching people that and it works and it stops but when they come into your room, there's this icy, cold terror, that fear, and like a fear you never felt before. And so we got to try to tell the people they feel that fear. And maybe somebody out there listening is feeling it too. You know, just say in the name of Jesus, get out of here. You have no authority here. Just start, just, just say Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ. And it, yeah, it, it's amazing. It does. And also, I encountered people who, uh, live up there as well as around here who had ET experiences where they were so, so-called abducted and it wasn't very pleasant experiences either and then sure. when they became Christians and you learn how to do the name of Jesus it stopped mm -hmm. that seems to be a very common theme yes and uh, I think Joe Jordan has done some interesting work I don't know if you're familiar with his work uh, but he's he's reviewed a lot of MUFON cases where that 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 that's very much to the fore you know where people invoke the name of jesus or use the name of jesus and the the entire experience stops 
it's, it's, it's amazing, even with the shadow people or the slender man. And usually it's teenagers who start playing with stuff, occult stuff. They should. Sure. I don't know. There was a thing going out with pencils where they asked this thing. I don't say the name, but they'd ask it and it would give them answers. And all, that's when they start seeing the slender man and they call it slender man. Mm-hmm. And it's just the suicide rate astronomically increases when this thing's operational. We have it here. We have it here where I live and probably where you live when the people don't talk about it because you're not mm-hmm. supposed to have, there's nothing supernatural. Go away. Nothing to see here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> How come the name of Jesus gets rid of it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. The proof is in the pudding. I mean, mm-hmm. um, and that's been part of my, my mission. My calling is, is to, get people back into the con- the supernatural context of the Bible and look at things that are happening and not just, not just the history of the world, but today look at things through the lens of the Bible. And, you know, at the end of the day, just, just getting people to read their Bible is, is you know, I mean, biblical literacy has just, just gone into the toilet, you know, along with, with general literacy too, for that matter, having been a, a professor for 20 years and taught high school for a number of years too. Uh, you know, I, I can tell you right now that the tra- trajectory is a, a downward spiral and that, that too is by design. Um, that's part of that cultural engineering that started millennia ago and continues to this day. And that's interesting because, and this will probably strike a chord with maybe some people, I don't know, but when I find that these spiritual entities that are loose, like I talked about, they invoke fear and trepidation, they dumb down the population. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know that sounds weird to some people, but that whether an operation, that's what usually happens. Yeah, and, and it is. It is. Is that what you well, find? Well, and it's, it, it's I, I mean, it's a brilliant stratagem because, I mean, it, it with with materialism and naturalism, there's not much footwork for them to do because you can just johnny quest it away like you say um so i I think people would would probably be shocked at how much of what we consider our own culture actually has the seeds of this influence in it you know i mean it's in it's in the words that we use you know and and language and words are culture you know they're the anchor points for not just not just intellectual culture, but also, also material culture. Um, and that, that's one of the things that I, I found in, in doing the research for the paper that I wrote earlier this year. I, I looked at words for king in Eurasian languages because I thought that there, uh, there might be some connection between the Rephaim, uh, who are also mentioned in Mesopotamian and Ugaritic literature as as long dead ancestor kings. I began to wonder if because that Proto-Semitic world was adjacent to the Transcaucasus Proto-Indo-European world, you know, with kind of with Eastern Turkey kind of being the conduit, if there was any sort of you know diffusion or, or, or watcher influence giant influence there and i began to look at the word rephaim and search for similar words um well after i after i ran, ran it through the the mesopotamian and the ugaritic uh grinder as it were the initial part ra rav or a rob or ra was the the king part the ruler part and so i i I whittled it down to looking for 
words for king in Eurasian languages that um, that had the initial R vowel morpheme. Because in, in as you well know, in Semitic languages, you know, vowels come much later. You know, they're you can kind of play a little lo loose with with the vowels. And it's astounding how many of those words popped up, you know, Rex in Latin, uh, Rajan in uh, Linear A, uh, Rajan in Sanskrit, uh, and lots of variations in Southern and Southeastern uh, Asian languages of, of Rajan, Royal, Regal, uh, Rey in Spanish, Roy in French, um, Gaelic words like Reese, uh, that, that mean king. I mean, I was astounded at, at just using this one word, just doing the, the most basic sort of, of survey. Now, five or 10 of those might have been interesting, but dozens of them, it becomes compelling. And so I've, I've just started to scrape the, the surface. This is, this is the first sort of, um, I suppose you might call it, because it's linguistic, you might you might say that it's quantitative. This is a really the first sort of quantitative research that I've I've done on, uh, because I've been writing qualitatively about it, you know, for years. But it's the first quantitative work that I've done on the influence of watchers and the the, the early generations of giants. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, do you think it's like a description of two different beings, two different entities, in a, in a group of entities that are like in a military hierarchy or something you ever well I th that? here's here's the scenario that i think played out i i i believe that just like the demonic does with everything they take what's good what is from god and they turn it on its head they make a counterfeit out of it i, I think what they did what the watchers did is they took the system you know, call it whatever you want to, the political, cultural system from heaven with Yahweh as the just, benevolent ruler. And they flipped that on its head and earthly kings became oppressive, tyrannical, centrist. Uh, and that's basically the model for every early civilization that crops up on the planet. Their, their rulers are typically deified. Now, I think there's a case to be made that their their original rulers and founders were actually these Rephaim giants. And, of course, this was going on in the pre-flood world, too. It gets a reboot in the post-flood world. Um, but, you know, all, even just taking the supernatural away from it, if you look at the history of civilizations, virtually all of, of the antique civilizations began as theocratic monarchies where their, their rulers were either considered gods on earth uh, or emissaries of the gods, or had some sort of demigod status, uh, and that gave them the the uh, the divine right to rule, however they saw fit. And you know, our in the United States we live under a republic, but republics are anomalies in the political history of the world. Uh, the the that's the exception. The rule is these oppressive, tyrannical, centrist regimes and even even kings in recent centuries uh kings and queens and and aristocrats of all make believe that they're divinely appointed to be in the position that they're in um 
you know, the, the emergence of, of nation states in Europe uh, during the early modern period is a prime example. You know, all, all those rulers thought that they were divinely appointed. So even though they thought, you know, that their authority was coming from God, uh, that idea of divine right and, and even some kernel of deification, uh, apotheosis, is, is, is still re residual. Uh, in the very words we use, the very concepts that we use for king or ruler. Yeah, and I was looking at Josephus, and when he wrote about Cain and Cain's line, I was in what you just said hit me when I was reading that, and I did a show on that myself. And mm -hmm. that's pretty much what I found. And yeah. so all under the influence of the watchers came this, I'm a ruler, I have a divine right to rule, and then there was a rebellion that came out and, you know, you formed a republic or whatever. And then republic fell and fell into tyranny, so forth. So what is the pattern? There's always mm -hmm. this divine right. You always have this group of people who think they have a right to rule the world. And that's what the Bible eventually leads into. Um, and so my one of my last couple of videos I did, you know, I just did a thing from the Council of Foreign Relations and I just pulled up General Mark Milley it just came up and i uh, and so he's talking about a liberal world order and everything was about a liberal world order and maintaining it we call it the new world order sure and, and it's under this they have a divine right to rule and it's and under the influence of these things it's my own research what i can put together and like i got the documents their own writings and they really think that they can rule the world and create this utopic world, basically for them, but not so much for us. Sure. And in order so they will not rebel, and I go to uh, The Great Reset by Klaus Schwab or the, one of the books of the Fourth Industrial Revolution, there are several editions out. And um, you look at what he said, I mean, I think it's The Great Reset, and I can't remember the pages right off the bat, but it talked about government needs to get more oppressive and through the great reset and, and reestablish itself. And so they want to create a world order in order to prevent rebellion. They want to want to alter the human DNA and put and connect you with the internet, you know, so, but they, they put something in you to hook you up to the internet in order and alter your DNA so that you are obedient and compliant. Adelis Huxley wrote about it. Uh, George Orwell wrote about it. Uh, mm. and all people, Jack London wrote about it. I just found out in his book, Iron Heel, he explained very well what we're seeing. And this flip into a totalitarian, tyrannical emperor state. I don't know what else to call it, where you worship the state. Mm. And you see it all playing out. And all these things that we're seeing in the supernatural realm with all these entities and stuff is a work of these watchers to bring all this about because a lot of these people are involved in the head hierarchy in this they're they're involved in this stuff i can quote alice bailey extensively sure. just to prove what i'm saying is true because these people all quote her klaus Schwab even paraphrases alice bailey <laughs> yeah it's amazing yeah well and i mean that you know that that brings all of this full circle you know the the agenda has never really changed and that's what the new world order is is the is 
is the ultimate realization of of this autocratic system um that was you know it, it took it took the perfect model turned it on, on its head so that it could it could oppress uh and and brutalize god's creation um and mm-hmm. so that's 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 what we're seeing we're starting to see the the twitching of the veil as it were you know now i, I i've told people for years that we've been involved in a supernatural cold war but i think the cold war part is coming to an end mm-hmm. and it's it's becoming convention uh now and you know i mean all you have to do is is well i say flip on the news if you flip on the three-letter truth shredders you're going to get the you you you'll get the the enemy intel but you know Thankfully, there are a lot of sources out there that still care about the truth, that still care about good journalism, and you can get, you know, you can get stories and, and news. Uh, but you know, if if people have a, a a handle on events that are transpiring right now, and they have a biblical worldview, um, I don't see how you could come to any other conclusion. You know, um, with, with the the pandemic, the the medical situation that we're in right now. Uh, worries me as it is the infrastructure that's been built up around it which you know even even the plan that they propose uh, in terms of carrying paperwork around or or some sort of identification to show that you you have or have not or you've been tested and you can't you won't be able to travel or uh, go to the grocery store or Mm -hmm. your favorite restaurant or theater or public venue or anything like that or or you know, buy anything, can't buy a new house, can't buy a car. Um, all of that sounds suspiciously like the mark of the beast, like the beast system that's referenced in Revelation. That That's the part that really, that really should give people pause, I think. Um, but I mean, the whole, the, really the whole situation uh, should give us pause because, um, and not not to veer too far off topic, but I mean, really, what we're talking about here, it it all feeds back into this into the new world order system, this world system, uh, the system of control that has never been successful on a on a longitudinal scale. You know, even though empires and countries uh, and kingdoms, you know, can persist for centuries, that's not how these entities think. They're thinking longitudinal. They're trying to think in game. Um, I think probably the spring mechanism that's, that's that's keeping it in check, or at least one of them, is the the fullness of the Gentiles. That seems to be the 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 catch point at, at which they'll no longer be able to, you know, try and implement this new world order plan. When is that going to be? I don't know because I think it can mean a number of things. Does it mean that all the people on the planet of the earth, planet Earth, have have been exposed to the gospel, have heard the gospel message, or is it when God says, okay, enough people have, have heard, you know, there's, there's no more excuses, you know, it's time. So I, you know, to me, that's what the fullness of the Gentiles sounds like. And I think the last statistic mission statistic that I looked at said that something like 35 or 40%, which is kind of a staggering number, uh, of, of people on the earth still haven't heard the gospel. But when you factor in the internet, when you factor in the, the quick spread of technology, you know, I mean, you've got kids in the Amazon running around on cell phones now. 
um, it won't be long because it's a force multiplier. It's just, it's an exponential buildup. You know, I think we're, we're more and more people will be able to, to hear the gospel message. And so that's a good thing that technology can do, but racing that of course, is this, this singularity of, of, you know, merging with machines, you know? And so I think all of it is sort of, sort of, you know, it's a nexus point. All, all of these trajectories of events are moving towards the same end. Um, so, sorry, I didn't mean to go all Philip no, K. No, Dick no, on, no. on go, you. There. Go, go right ahead. I'm just fascinated because it, it kind of backs up with, with things I'm finding when I do the research, I go to the World Economic Forum. It's exactly what Klaus Schwab wants to do. Put the internet sure. of all things in your body, alter your yeah. DNA, make you compliant. And basically you're good little serfs and they, you're just a, a producer for the company store. Mm-hmm. The, and uh, when I looked over this, um, their economic plan, for example, came from uh, Mr. Kinsey back in 1942 to 44 through the Bretton Woods thing. And he was hired by uh, the the British government to go over what is known as, let's see, Walter Funk's German Nazi economic plan that was going to, uh, they had plans to uh, basically flood the British market and the United States market with counterfeit bills and stuff. And, and they had a plan that after the war, they would, how they would go to a one world currency. And he threw out one third of the Nazi plan and kept two thirds of it and made it Kinsey and economics. And it was, and he wanted to put this thing called the Bancor uh, as, as a one world currency. And you have to get rid of the precious metal standard that each country has and get them on a credit based system where they go into massive debt and you collapse the system and then, but they did not have the technology of the computer to go a digital currency, the track. So the, basically the idea of the Kinsey economics is to collapse the economies of the world and get everybody compliant. Um, and then you come up with a plan you have a kitty, a big kitty and it's digital currency. Only the elites know how much money's in there and they can print however much they want. Keep, keep the, um, uh, the market stable. So you might make maybe a thousand dollars a year in their world, but you'll never go up or go down mm-hmm. and they just print whatever they want. And they, you know, they have it on easy street and they dumb sure. down the population. They reduce the population through eugenics. They change the demographics. They do all this stuff just to control the population. And they have to track and monitor each citizen all this is well established. It's in, you know, go to World Economic Forum, uh, UN Interplanetary Fund. It's not something out of sci- science fiction. Mm-hmm. UN Interplanetary Fund was how to improve the world after it gets devastated by a hurricane or some crisis. And they want to build it back better. That's where that came from. Klaus Schwab used it. All the globalist <clears throat> new world types, the liberal world order use it. Build back mm-hmm. better. That's the whole idea. Satan's in game. Destroy God's system and build it back in his image and likeness. <laughs> right. And that's right. pretty much what you were saying there. You know? Yeah, they're, 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 they want to build it back, but it's certainly not better. Um, no. Yeah. And so that's, that's it, where we're headed. <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm not a prophet or a date setter, but I am a historian. And I, I think that I, I've developed not only because of my training, but because of the, the road that God's taken me down, you know, the ability to sort of 
look at the meta picture and prognosticate a little bit. And it, I just seem to be hitting more marks these days with my work because it's, you know, again, the, 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 the cold war analogy seems to be wearing off now and we're, we're entering into convention where it's just all out in the open. And if there was ever a time to be biblically literate. It's right now. I mean, yeah, it's true. And uh, Alice Bailey, you know, she channeled these, I call them fallen watchers, no other way to play, explain it. Mm. And they laid out the plan how to dumb down the church and get erase biblical literacy in it mm-hmm. and, and disparage doctrine and stuff with, uh, replace it with either this legalism or signs and wonders and uh, where nobody pays attention to the Bible and you lose your focus of what the gospel is really about. And so you depend upon your teachers and your visions and uh, your legalism or whatever, your rituals, your formulas that, and basically that's what she taught. She's also the mother of dominionism. She taught dominionism. It was channeled to her. And I I found it fascinating when I did this. So I didn't know how to research or work other than take the PDF and just type in words like government, Mm -hmm. media, whatever. And went through them, and I pulled up. I saw it. It is laid out like clear as a bell. And yeah. She wanted to take the plan was to take over uh, the Christian world, calls it the cultural mountains of influence, the Seven Mountain Mandate. And that's mm. that's Alice Bailey. That's actually Alice Bailey. It's not Christian at all. And but she explained it better as taking over the church, family taking over uh you got to destroy the family of course and get rid of the patriarchy all that but then you have to take over the media arts entertainment uh she called it tv and radio at that time uh governments you subvert everything and you influence the culture to accept the uh you know the christ consciousness or the new world or the dawning of the new age or the new world order she called it the new world order yeah. And now it's called the liberal world order. And I suggest people, if they don't know what that is, just look up the liberal world order and you'll get an eyeful and mind stuff to read <laughs> a lot of documentation on it. And that's what we're facing. And I just, she, she laid it out. And what I find interesting and to get your take on this is that she said that, and she wrote that in 1925 mm-hmm. and she said 50 years uh, the dominion mindset would infiltrate the church. I'm just paraphrasing because there's mm-hmm. a lot of words in there. And, and um, in August 1975, 50 years later, that happened in all places, Aspen, Colorado, where the dominion theology infiltrated and made big headway. I remember it because I was a Christian and we were combating it and he successfully beat it back and for the fraud that it is. It's unscriptural. And then she said that by the turn of the century, this will come back with an age of signs and wonders. That's what this entity told her. And bam, year 2000, just between 1995 and 2005, it all hit and it's all back. Mm-hmm. And it's accepted now. The Seven Mountain Mandate is accepted uh, in a lot of places. It's, uh, you know, you got to take over the world first before Jesus can come back. Then Jesus can come back. Right. Yes. Yeah right sure. <laughs> who's going to come yeah. back yeah you up for the antichrist yeah and we don't have any biblical biblical literacy or anybody um, brave enough to talk about it if you do they have infiltrated everything so much with the johnny quest mindset that mm-hmm. they don't want to hear you yeah 
Yeah, it's unfortunate. And we've become, we've become a distracted church too, you know, with, uh, you know, homilies have become sterile uh, for the most part. Um, Not always the case, but in a lot of churches, they're, they're, they're puff pieces, you know, they're, they're feel good kind of stuff. Um, You know, we're distracted by the, the rock concerts that, that our services have, have turned into. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't really have anything against praise and worship music. I mean, I, I'm a musician or was at one time and I, I played in praise and worship bands, but it's become the centerpiece, you know, the distraction, uh, the, you know, the audio visual show, the, the laser light show, you know, or what, whatever. I, I understand the rationale behind drawing people to church but it it becomes the centerpiece and not jesus jesus becomes a kind of um he becomes the guy that that sits sits next to the pastor while the pastor's waiting to give us give his sermon or something like that uh rather than the, the you know the centerpiece of the whole thing i i see you smiling so i'm you know you know where i'm what i'm talking about um and so we're just we're perpetually distracted church by this thing um sunday school literature has become you know it's followed suit you know uh in a lot of a lot of places i've noticed over the past few years uh there's so there are these really disturbing trends you know within the church um my good friend dr greg reed who's done a lot of work with with satanic ritual abuse victims and has uh worked with lots of police departments and law enforcement organizations um he wrote a book called the trojan church where he talks about how all of this stuff the naturalism the new age stuff the distraction uh, how all of that sort of crept into the church from behind while we were busy you know vociferously guarding you know the vanguard of the church we weren't paying attention to our flank uh, and so, you know, over the last few decades, you know, this stuff has just gradually made inroads into the church and it's, it, it creates the mess that we have today, which is poor discipleship, bad biblical literacy, a skewed vision of what salvation is supposed to be. Uh, and mm-hmm. that only, those things only serve the enemy. They, they don't do the body of Christ a bit of good. Oh, no, it doesn't. I go back to, I just kind of, I go right back to Alice Bailey. She talked a lot about how a new psychology and through psychology and psychologists, it will infiltrate the church. With, sure. uh, and also you have um, supplanting the, the role of the Holy Spirit. And so now you, and, I'm, and my new video will come out, we'll be talking more about this, but you basically supplant uh, the role and the, supplant the gospel with uh how do you do it uh with pop psychology to seeker sensitive model to uh anything a business model to grow your church not relying on the holy spirit not prayer not anguishing over lost souls but if you follow this formula this ritual it's all psychology exactly what alice bailey said would infiltrate the church through mm-hmm. she called it the masonic blue lodge would infiltrate the church and it basically did and it brought the johnny quest world into it yeah and and uh, no other way to put it i'm just paraphrasing for the sake of time 
Sure. So that's exactly what I saw. And I, I saw that I'm going in, you know, praying, Lord, why are you showing this to me? So I just start putting in the videos and start talking about it because I don't know what else to do. And, and so, and I see this infiltration in there. And so everybody relies on that model and they lost Jesus. They lost the centrality of Christ. That's what I call it, or the primacy of Christ that Col- mm-hmm. book of Colossians chapter two talks about, which is the central theme of all discipleship is teaching people how to make uh, live live life with people as Jesus, the center of your life. I don't know how else to put it, to make it simple for people to understand. And that has been erased. And so you go to church, and I'll have nothing. I'm a musician too, nothing against praise and worship and songs mm-hmm. and stuff and their styles. But what I find interesting, and maybe you can take off on this a little bit if you like, is since I'm a student of history myself and I understand uh psyops i understand the world of brainwashing techniques i understand the work of in the from eastern orthodox and jewish they have cantors they can't and uh, that's a repetitious uh, way of doing things over and over again in their music it's hypnotic it produces hypnotic state so you listen to some of the music and it's fine the songs are by themselves they're great they're biblically sound but you put them all together with flashing lights, you have this, I call it Eastern mystical hum, almost like you're rubbing your finger around the bowl. And you just, mm-hmm. and you have this hum and you, oh, I feel the spirit. No, you don't feel the spirit. You're about half asleep. <laughs> yeah. Hypnotized. And this is no, no I'm, I'm not kidding. I went into a, a, a church program, a Christmas program, and some church got invited. And the music was so loud, you know, I didn't have any earplugs and I'm, I, I had to get out of there. It was making me sick and it was too loud. And um, I played loud music in my day in musician. Sure. Yeah. Me so too. I got ringing in my ear and, yeah. you know, and I know what sound waves can do, you know? And so um, I had to tell the people, you know, here you are. The devil comes to kill, rob and destroy. Right. Because yeah, your music is too loud and how and you're kill robbing and destroying them, especially the band's ears, because they have to put up with this and everybody in here. Oh, we got earplugs. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so you got a hypnotic program and I, I had to sit out away from that. I couldn't, it was making me sick because just mm. the too much bass running into your gut and you're, and you're churning inside. And a lot of the music and a lot of the light shows, they do are from techniques they have learned i know this because i've seen the programs of some of these main corporate entities of church world are teaching the youth how to have a service to bring down the holy spirit it's like what i'm old school we had a couple of guitars i did a prison ministry for 10 years i mean yeah power of the god just fell (laughs) when he wants it to and in the singing is the worst you can possibly do no one's in key the power of god falls and uh you just learn you're not the one to bring down the holy spirit he just shows up that's right and and so i'm seeing this trickling of this new psychology of brainwashing techniques infiltrating the church the church is dumbed down by and large there are a few good places out there don't get me wrong and but people don't know anything and that's why uh they don't you know you how many times do you hear a church talk about things going on in the world 
that really matter like abortion mm-hmm. or anything like that mm-hmm. no we can't we can't we, we can't offend anybody yeah. we yeah. can't offend anybody okay the holy spirit convicts people so he does offend people so yeah exactly yeah and that that that's facet of our our society now where you know people are so easily offended you know we've been manipulated to be easily offended you know and it took less than a generation to do that mm-hmm. um yeah I, I i love music i mean i i i was a i was a uh i was a, a concert guitar major mm-hmm. um classical and jazz and i cut my teeth on heavy metal played all kinds of stuff mm-hmm. I, I i love music but it, it's the weaponization of the spiritual weaponization of music and distraction and the arts that's the danger to the church you know because as as we're both saying here it it pulls away from the centrality of christ Mm -hmm. the the, the whole focus of worship uh to begin with and um you know it's just become comfortable now you know for people they 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 don't you you see a lot of the uh a lot of the old hymns are not used anymore and I, I like a mix of both, you know, I, I, I like, I like some of the, the contemporary stuff too, but the thing about those hymns is that they were all virtually all of those old hymns were, were theology lessons. Mm-hmm. I can probably count on one hand, the, the number of churches that I've been to in the last few years, uh, in, in, in the times when I was looking for a church home who use more than one, maybe, you know, maybe two of the old hymns and their worship services and the rest of it was, was contemporary stuff. And now we're finding out that, you know, groups like, you know, who've been at the forefront of, of that, that movement, like uh, Hillsong and even, uh, even pop groups like DC talk, you know, their members are starting to come out now and say, well, I, I, I'm not really Christian in the conventional sense, or, uh, you know, I, 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 I'm not a Christian anymore, you know, or it's I'm like, doesn't really it doesn't work that way buddy and what, what does that say about you know i mean what do you it completely throws your testimony out the out the window and you know the hillsong stuff is still very popular in praise and worship some praise and worship circles so it's it it's part of that that movement that's made inroads in, into the church and uh i'm afraid it's a sign of the times yeah it is it is and uh it's it's i just sit there and i go there's something i noticed and this will be kind of maybe out of people's league if they don't know anything about the occult world about the elemental spirits and so a lot of these songs they don't mention jesus name but they mention fire <laughs> they mention water <laughs> oh wind blowing me you know i'm going oh oh spirit and you know the five elementals you know the goat, yeah yeah the goat yeah. head <laughs> yeah yeah. Go, go head star, you know, right. And I'm going, right. I'm going, am I hearing this right? Am, am I going crazy, Lord? Am I going overboard with this? You know, and I'm going, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I am, but, but some of the songs, they don't mention Jesus, but they mention the elemental spirits. And I'm going, this is, this is kind of, doesn't anybody catch this? Oh yeah, that's right. Nobody teaches the, this or warns people as a watchman, like a pastor should, of what the occult world is, what occult symbols are, what the occult world opened its door to, how it opens up the door for uh, the this spiritual world to come in to attack you. So mm-hmm. when God's hands lifts off of a country, you'll see 
fires, mass fires, you'll see really peculiar flooding. Mm -hmm. You'll see windstorms, you know, either hurricanes, tornadoes, or just these strange black clouds like they went over Amsterdam, New York City. There's a gush of, you know, just really strange stuff, weather phenomena. When God's hands lift off, you'll see uh, opens a door for the demonic world to come in and wreak havoc. And it's all seen throughout the Bible, seen out through history. It's all there, but the church doesn't talk about it. When I talk about it, people go, wow, you give us answers. I go, I hope so. But your true answer is found in Jesus Christ because he's the only one that can protect you. He has to be the center of your life. Uh, you have to realize that you have no ability, no strength to do anything. Yeah, everything goes through him. He, I ask for him to give me the strength to overcome, the strength to, to speak, the strength to do anything because I have none of myself. To me, that was discipleship. That's how I learned discipleship. And that's what was yeah. into me. Spiritual discipline, reading the scripture, yes. doing word studies, yes. looking at what it says, go verse by verse, tear it apart in the Greek or Hebrew, learn to do that, even the Aramaic, learn mm -hmm. how to do that. And look at all kind of look at, I, I, I grew up with Chuck Missler, you know, you know. Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 yeah and so I'm sitting there. Yeah. You got to look at the names of the meaning, the meaning of the, each name that's mentioned yeah. in the Bible. There could be a message in that. There's something in that. Numbers have meanings. All these things compiled in there is, is phenomenal. And people, you know, they say this, the number 666, 666 is the number uh, of the Antichrist and all that. We don't know what that really means, but I know that the number six is the number of man. 60 in Hebrew is a Hebrew letter meaning a staff, what person relies on. And 600 is the, um, it has to do with warfare or a god of fortresses. Interesting. So you have man who relies on the God of fortresses, which lines up with what Daniel mentioned about the Antichrist, whose God will be a God of fortresses. Mm -hmm. So I just find little nuances like that that a lot of sure. people miss. But to me, it's fascinating. But, you know. Well, and you, I mean, you don't have to be a linguist. You don't have, to, I mean, you don't have to be a Hebraist or a, a classicist to do that. I mean, there are all kinds of, of free, you know, um, Gosh, you can you can jump on Strong's, you know, within the the you know the, the click of your hand on your on your keyboard, uh, and and begin to do this sort of thing, or, or you know, download it, you know, any number of apps that have have these word helps, you know, and there's you know logos if you got the money, logos puts out good, really good software for for breaking this stuff down too in the original languages, so you don't have to be a linguist. I mean, a lot of the legwork. We're so blessed and that we have the benefit of, of all that now. And it's just so easily accessible that there's no reason why people shouldn't yeah. taking advantage of it. I was old school. I did, we didn't have computers back. When I was well, I mean, I did I had... too. I mean, I, I, I came out of old school. I mean, I, I, I learned how to research in a library with a card catalog and, and uh, you really had to own you know, what you were researching. And so, you know, I, I think that's, I still sort of treat the internet that way too, like a big, yeah. you know, a big library. I've still got that mindset whenever I use it. Um, but, you know, yeah, I mean, and if people are old school that way, then you can, you can order a copy 
yeah. of Strong's exhaustive concordance. Yeah. Well, I do uh, I do the computer software now, so since I know what I'm doing, I can do things a lot faster than going through Dana yeah. Antilles Greek grammar and linguistic sure. keys and the sure. theological word book of Old Testament and mm-hmm. theology of New Testament words and so forth. All the stuff that I have tons of books that i had to go through to learn this stuff sure now i get on the internet and it's all there and it's free it's all there (laughs) yeah well you know the scriptures do encourage us to prove ourselves by study and that that's that seems to be one of the disciplines of the faith that's that's sort of gone to the wayside you know as a casualty of of what we've been talking about you know this this these things that have made it made inroads into the church and tie back into these these nefarious demonic plans that are millennia old uh if not older it it, it it's amazing you know I, I i grew up i spent about half the time you know when mom and dad were at work at, at my grandmother's house and my my great aunt and uncle and they were voracious readers uh always read the bible through every year and were studying the bible on top of that i mean just you know my, my grandmother did graduate from high school. She didn't have a college education. My, I think my great aunt had about an eighth grade education and they were wellsprings of all kinds of knowledge, just completely autodidact. They read everything they could get their hands on. And that, that was really the, that was really kind of my incubator in terms of biblical literacy. I learned far more about the Bible between them, mom and dad, and growing up in the church than I ever did in any of the theology courses that I took in college. Um, so, you know, it, I think, I think that generation of people had a, had a better grasp on, on the details of, of all of this. They couldn't see all of the pieces, I think is clearly, mm-hmm. um, but that's the advantage I think that they had over the, over later generations is because, but, biblical literacy has just gone you know to the wayside yeah it sure has and uh well everything's preparing for that new world order that's what they want to dumb everybody down and well hope the people listening here could understand that what we're trying to say is the centrality of christ and get into the word and study because it will be your lifeline in the last days coming up absolutely sounds like we're ready to jump right into this stuff and and I've been trying to tell people, you know, just pray and ask Jesus to give you the strength and rely on him and just give you the courage to overcome. And uh, something happens. I can't explain it. You get the courage. It just kind of happens. And you're able to articulate the stuff and study, look at people like uh, Dr. Judge Burton, as well as myself or what Josh Peck puts on his daily renegade or Skywatch TV, uh, and mm-hmm. Dr. Michael Heiser puts out, start arming yourself with some of the stuff. You got tremendous amount of um, software or free stuff on, you know, the, the blue Bible or the, you know, different Bible software, different sites have everything you need there. Every commentary you could ever imagine. Mm-hmm. And um, you look up stuff that, you know, where it would take me and you take me probably all day to translate probably one chapter out of the book of Ephesians. Now I can probably get a lot of it done in, in, in a few hours mm-hmm. with the Bible software. And so, you know, since I know kind of what I'm doing and so it's actually a lot easier. 
everything's been given to us by the Lord. We just, I just, you know, like for the churches to wake up, but you know, I know that the end times are what they are. But I, but you mentioned something earlier, and I want to close on this note, is that uh, you didn't know how to explain the, uh, the time we're heading into, uh, this demarcation line or whatever. I call it the Judas generations. The time of the Gentiles ends, that's the Judas generation. That's when people hate one another, betray one another, deceive one another, just like Judas Iscariot did. And that's what I call it. And in the secular world, that will happen too. And then in the scientific world, that will happen as well. In the academic world, that will happen. It'll be this Judas generation mindset takes over. One size fits all. We'll cancel you if you don't think like us. Is mm-hmm. the mentality of this thing, and um, so people will sell out to it in no time. <laughs> That's how I see it. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I I can tell you from from having been an academic for two decades that that's certainly the. I mean, there's no academic freedom is a complete illusion, uh, you know, and that that took a generation and a half to to gut out of, you know. I mean, I thought that's what I was going to do. That's all I wanted to be was a professor of, of history. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I, I still am. I'm just doing it on my own time, doing it on God's terms right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, all of these institutions have, you know, that you mentioned all of our, our cultural and social institutions, political institutions, or religious institutions have been infiltrated and, if we're, we're seeing the creation of, of division that's been mounting up over the last few years, you know, it, mm-hmm. it, it really started with, um, with race and, you know, now we've got, you know, medical division uh, amongst us right now. And so you can see the, the, you can actually watch the process in laboratory format, frightening, terrorizing, terrifying laboratory format, uh, uh, of what's going on right now. And so I, you know, now more than ever is, is the time to, to, to square yourself away with God, to get back in the word, to, you know, ask for, ask for God to show you what he wants, what he wants to show you. And it'll happen. He'll give you discernment. He'll, you know, he'll, he'll give you help. Call upon the name of Jesus and you'll find the answers. You'll find the help that you need. Uh, but this, this is a time to be prayerful uh, and, and studious. You know, you don't have to, you know, turn Netflix off for a while or whatever. You don't have to binge watch your favorite, you know, scale down to maybe one episode a night like we used to do it before we had Netflix and streaming services. <laughs> you know, find, find yourself being less distracted by those things. With that, I think we'll probably go ahead and wrap this up. I didn't realize we just were t- good time flies when you're having fun here. <laughs> That's right. And so I know it's getting a little late, but why don't we, uh, why don't you end with us with a little prayer there for just what you said about people getting Certainly. Jesus to what to do, what we should do, you know, what people can do. Absolutely. With Jesus is how I would say it. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Lord, we just come to you right now in solidarity and and ask that you would in these these trying times father that you would draw us back closer to you that, that we would find the uh, the wherewithal to to get back to the disciplines of the faith and 
the message of the gospel and and father give us discernment and and wisdom and knowledge father so that we can navigate these times and still be a great testimony to other people so that we might draw them to you father again i just ask that you would you would bless our nation father that that you would bring down revival upon us because it's going to take it it will take a great awakening and we just ask father that you would you would lay out our course clearly father that we need to take we ask these things in jesus name amen amen well thanks for coming on the show judd and should i call you doctor <laughs> uh, either way judd dr okay. burton I've, I've been called worse yeah well so have i <laughs> Dr. Judge, it's a real privilege to talk to you and listen to what you have to say here on this. And I just pray that people will take to heart what we're saying. If you're interested in some of the stuff that Judge Burton is talking about, Dr. Judge Burton is talking about, why don't you go to his website? And it would be, what is your website's uh, well, we've got burtonbeyond.com and tioba.org. That's the Institute website. And I actually, I do offer coursework through the Institute. Um, and I've got a, 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 a sale on the certifications this week for $110. So people can really save some big, big bucks before the prices go back up. Uh, folks, I suggest you check out the website and the Institute. I'll put the uh, links up here on screen. And you'll see them. And with that, I'm going to just go ahead and probably, you know, if you'd like to come back, I would love to have you back. We can talk some more because this was a pretty interesting topic. We went all over the place. Absolutely. I'd love to. Thanks for having me. This is a great conversation. And I really appreciate you coming on. My pleasure. Okay. Well, folks, that's it for the Christian Marauder. If you um, just keep watching your screen for more information. With that, let me close with this, folks. Again, censorship is real and it's getting stronger and stronger. Social media, what it is, may shut us all down. And if that happens, please go to the Daily Renegade 2.0 website and where folks can go right now. There's other places too. Please consider becoming a member today of the Daily Renegade as well. Also, as I close, if you'd like to support me and help me out, Please look on the screen. You'll see my contact information there. Any means of support is is greatly appreciated, folks. And I thank everyone who has supported me. Amen. So with that, you all be blessed in Jesus' name. Until next time, stay tuned for next week. With that, be blessed in Jesus' name.